0: Listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Conklin. In most of our episodes, we'll have a guest, a woman who is running on mission right where she's at. We pray this podcast leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news. Hey guys, it's Jess here with Go and Tell Gals Podcast. Listen, we are starting a different kind of series today. We're going to do some coaching for women on mission who happen to be quarantined. I know that's the setting for most of us, if not all of us right now. What does it look like to be a woman on mission in the midst of quarantine, in the midst of social distancing? And I pray this episode is a blessing for you. Listen, we did something a little bit different this time, and I'm pretty excited about it. We have created not only this podcast episode, but a YouTube video of this live coaching teaching for you. So I want to encourage you to look in the show notes and you'll find a link to that YouTube video. That way you can share it online or watch it. If you want to see my face, talk to your face. I love you guys. And I am so, so incredibly grateful for you. Hey friends, it's Jess Connolly here, and I'm here with a little bit of a different podcast episode. So I, like you guys, am living through this very interesting season in our country, in our world, trying to process what in the world it looks like to be a woman on mission in the midst of quarantine. And right when our country began to shut down and things began to slow down and I started to realize, okay, we are in this for a few weeks, for a few months, whatever God will have for us. We're in this. I thought about the podcast and I thought, you know, women are going to be listening to a lot more podcasts. Lord knows I am. I'm listening to a lot more podcasts. And I thought about you guys and I wanted to serve you guys. And We have weeks and weeks and weeks, almost months, honestly, of episodes built up. I was supposed to be gone on sabbatical this summer, and so we have been stockpiling episodes for months of just really beautiful interviews and content that we wanted to give you. And I thought, well, we can just start to put out some of those. And that was exciting because they're great interviews, and I can't wait to share them with you all. But the more I prayed about it and the more I thought on it, some of them just felt not really applicable in this season. And and they're such good interviews and, and such incredible women that we got to speak with. But I started to think like some of these might just fall flat. It might not be what we needed right now. At the same time, I was hesitant to just jump in and give you guys a bunch of content or give you a bunch of thoughts, honestly, because I was processing and because we know everybody online wants to immediately give us a lot of ideas about the content that we're putting out and, and tell us, tell us what we should do and how we should handle our quarantine and how we should handle this season. But I needed a minute, just like I'm sure a lot of you guys needed a minute to wrap my head around this thing and to really ask God for some wisdom and for some direction. And so I was absolutely hesitant to come and prescribe or tell you guys what your quarantine, what your distancing, what your season should look like or should be like. But I've asked God for some wisdom and he's given me some particular wisdom just for myself. And so I thought, why don't we jump in now and just start to to talk about what could be for women a mission in the midst of quarantine. So if you're new to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, here's what we talk about. We talk about what it looks like to be women on mission. We talk about how God is meeting us in that. We talk about what we're learning and what we're learning about him, what we're learning about people in the midst of running on mission. For us, it's important to go ahead and define what we mean when we say mission, what will we mean when we say women running on mission? And and here's our simple definition that we use at Go and Tell Gals. We define mission as using what you've been given for the good of others and the glory of God, using what you've been given for the good of others and the glory of God. So if we step back and we look at this season and we ask the question, is this a good season to be using what we've been given for the good of others and the glory of God? The answer is absolutely. Absolutely. People are hurting. People are dying. People are confused. We, the lovers of God, the followers of Jesus, the followers of his way have been given gifts, have been given insight, have been given wisdom, have been allowed to have certain weaknesses and strengths and stories. And should we be using them for the good of others at this time? Absolutely. I think we'd all agree about that. Do we believe that he can bring glory from our gifts, our strengths, our weaknesses, our stories in this season? Yeah, we absolutely believe that he could and would and wants to do that, bring himself glory. So Can we still be women of mission in the midst of quarantine? Can we still be women of mission in the midst of extreme weakness for our country and for our world? Yes, I I think yes, we get to do that. And that is a huge gift. So I want to just start to talk about what that would look like today. And I want to share a little bit from God's word from, from a place he's pointed me and I want to say, just just as we talk about it today, I want I want you to know that I'm not saying prescriptive things. I'm not prescribing what I think this should look like for you. I'm more putting an invitation on the table that I think God's given me that I just would encourage you to ask him, ask Holy Spirit, look into the word and see if this fits for you. See if it's one way that he might encourage you to move forward. It may not be, and that's okay, but it is not prescriptive. It's not me telling you, this is what it should look like. This is what you should be like in quarantine, because I don't think any of us need any more prescriptive voices telling us what to do or how this should look. Here's what I noticed almost immediately, right? You probably noticed it too, almost immediately as certain people began to shelter in place, as the world began to slow down, as churches stopped gathering, as businesses closed, as schools closed or stopped meeting in public. I noticed that there was a lot of wisdom, a lot of content, a lot of direction out there from a lot of different people. And what was interesting is that some people were like full blown in this like dominate category. Like you should just dominate quarantine. You should you should be getting new skills and you should be having new hobbies and like this is the time to dominate and I would say while that sounds great and man I I would love to be dominating this season it's a little bit tone deaf to maybe what other people are walking through and honestly it's not going to fit for all of us because a lot of us are just trying to get through the day um many of us are overwhelmed with with the new setup of our world. Many of us are overwhelmed by the lack of rhythm and, and, and pattern that, that God had given us to order our life well. And many of us are scared or just walking through extreme, extreme grief right now with the number of people in our world dying and hurting. And so domination is not necessarily like path for all of us. For some of you, it could be. And that's, that is absolutely between you and God and about your own life. But for many of us, like we cannot dominate right now. But I find on this far other spectrum, I also randomly see some encouragement or some admonishment towards passive inaction. Like This is too hard. Just bury your head in the sand, put on yoga pants and don't do anything. And I would say that is also maybe not the most healthy for a lot of us, like passive inaction that just says this season is going to happen to us. It's just going to happen. We should just let it happen and, and be quiet and wait till it's over. And we know as followers of Jesus, like passive inaction is, is really not ever a super worshipful bend for a lot of us. And so I'm kind of, I'm not even, I'm not even prescribing again, a middle way. I'm just saying, I think there's an invitation in God's word for something that isn't domination and isn't passive inaction. And I think that invitation is toward cultivation. So the passage of scripture that I want to look at really briefly today is from Jeremiah 29. Um, many of us have grown up hearing Jeremiah 29, 11. We've seen it on art or cross-stitched on a pillow in our grandmother's house. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. We've heard Jeremiah 29, 11. People wrote it in our, in our Bibles at graduation or things like that. A lot of you, I'm sure, have studied it. And if you haven't, here's just like a fun heads up about the Bible. It's actually tucked in a wild piece of prophecy written to a people, the people of Jerusalem, God's people, who were going through a horrific season. They had been taken captive by the Babylonians and they were brought into a land that was not their own. They were called into exile, called out of their land, called out of their normal, called out of what was healthy and vibrant for them. And they were placed in exile, allowed to be placed in exile. And the book of Jeremiah is encouragement, admonishment, teaching, prophecy, direction for them about how to handle this, how to respond. And and it's God's heart toward them, but also encouragement for them to respond to God. And so Jeremiah 29 is just the thick of it, of of the prophetic words of the prophet Jeremiah, giving them some insightful direction, and again, also conveying God's heart to them. And so I want to just go to that and talk about that really, Really, really quickly, and I'm going to read from the message version of Jeremiah. But again, it's really helpful to read this in context to remember this was written to a people who were in a place that they could not relate to, that was devastating, that was hard, that they didn't want to be in, that they wanted to be back in their normal. So again, right now, what I'm not saying is I'm not saying we're like Jerusalem in the midst of the Babylonian exile. I'm not prescribing that toward us. I'm just saying if we're going to look at God's word and say, what can we learn from people who were in something that they didn't want to be in? that was really difficult, that they had to find a new normal, what did God say to them? What was his encouragement to them? And what was their response? And how can we learn from that? What's the invitation there for us? And I think you'll see some cultivation as well. So again, this is from Jeremiah 29, the message version. This is the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to what was left of the elders among the exiles to the priests and prophets and all the exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken to Babylon from Jerusalem, including king Jehoiakim the queen mother the government leaders and all the skilled laborers and craftsmen this letter was carried by Elasa son of Shaphan and Gemariah son of Hilkiah whom Zedekiah king of Judah had sent to Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon now if i got one of those names wrong just grace to me in jesus name you know what i'm saying that was a lot but basically this is a letter written to the exiles this is the message from god of the angel armies Israel's God to all the exiles I've taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse five, build houses and make yourself at home, put in gardens and eat what grows in that country, marry and have children, encourage your children to marry and have children so that you'll thrive in that country and not waste away. Make yourselves at home there and work for the country's welfare. Pray for Babylon's well-being. If things go well for Babylon, things will go well for you. So I want to just stop right there. And that's, that's ending around verse seven. Later on, we get to verse 11, where it says the message version says, this is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon 70 years are up and not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. So that's where we get that Jeremiah 29, 11, but before that, I think we see some admonishments, some encouragement from God to cultivate. Like this is not your land. This is not where you're going to be forever. This is not your home. This is not your normal. But I want you to grow things here. I want you to use what you've been given, and I want you to cultivate. I want you to grow the culture. And so I think a lot of us have that same invitation right now. This is not our forever. This is not how it's going to look for the rest of our lives. But as followers of Jesus, we have the capacity through the power of the Holy Spirit to do some cultivation. And so I want to literally give you three questions to think through. I'm not going to tell you what that looks like for you. But I find a good coach just asks questions and lets you fill in the answers of what's true for you, what's true for your life, for your season. So I want to give you three questions, that's it, to think through what would it look like to cultivate in this extremely hard and different season. Here's number one. What is God doing? What is God doing? What have you noticed him doing? And and I kind of want to put in the parentheses here, like what is God doing gratitude. Because I find that often we can't figure out, right? We should be very careful and woe to any of us who are like, this is exactly what God's doing. I can tell what he's doing in our life. He's, he's doing X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. That's very hard. It's very hard for any of us to determine, number one, because I think God's probably doing 4 million things, so much more than we could ever ask or imagine or perceive with so many different people, you know, everyone in the whole world that he has a plan for their life. So I don't know what God's doing, but I can look and see like some of the things that he's done or some of the works of his hand that are happening in my life, that he's placed in my life. And and I, again, in the parentheses there, I'm just saying like gratitude. What is God doing? What can you be thankful for? What can you be grateful for? I wanna tell you that gratitude, if you've ever heard me say this, you're gonna hear me say it again, but gratitude and thankfulness is not passive, it's not gentle, it's not sweet, It's worshipful warfare. And it is absolutely cultivation to just look right here and say, like, what can I be grateful for today? That's not pretending that everything's fine. That's not pretending that everything's going to be perfect or easy or seamless tomorrow. It's just saying, I want to open my eyes and I want to say real words about what God's doing right now, right here. How can I be grateful for what God is doing? So number one, I want to ask you or invite you to ask that question What is God doing? What's he up to? What can you be grateful for? Number two, the second question I want to invite all of us to ask and ask with a hopeful voice and with eyes believing that he'll give us wisdom individually for what this looks like for us. But that second question is, how can I help? And the parentheses there should be serving. How can I help? How can I serve? That is going to look different for all of us in our different seasons, with our different capacities, with our different budgets. How can we help from our home? How can we encourage? How can we exhort? How can we bless one another in this season? Again, I would be doing such a disservice if I tried to answer that for you? Because God has given you a specific set of gifts and a specific place and a specific people to love and to serve. But one of the best ways we can just cultivate is looking at our hands and saying, what do I have here? What can I do? How can I help? What are the needs? What am I uniquely equipped to do? And how can I help? The third question you might not be expecting right now, but I want to give it to you anyhow. The third question I think we can ask is, what do I want? And the parentheses here for us to consider is, what God-given desires have you been given? What do I want? Now, a lot of us right now are gonna immediately feel defeat and we're gonna think, I can't think about what I want right now. I can't have what I want right now. What I want is to be in public. What I want is to be with people. What I want is to be back to work. What I want is to have a paycheck. What I want is X, Y, and Z. And that's real. But here's my thing. Number one, I think accessing the God-given desire, even of the things we can't have, is helpful for us to stay united with God. I think one of the biggest things I want right now is to worship with my church community. And imagine if I just kept stuffing that down, stuffing that desire. I'm like, well, don't worry about that. Don't think about that. Don't think about that, Jess. Don't think about that. Well, number one, I miss out on some communion with God by just going to Him and saying like, I really want this. I really miss it and letting him comfort and bring peace to my heart in the midst of that missed desire. But number two, I miss out on some future growth because I believe a lot of the things that we're desiring right now that we can't have are going to shift us and change us when the world starts moving and being rebuilt. So let's take that example of a God given desire to be with people, to be with the people of God, to worship with them. If I tried to push that down and not access it, then I might not experience the passion and longing and joy and rebuilding that's gonna come when I finally am able to gather with people again. So I wanna encourage you to access God given desire, even of the things that you can't have right now. But second of all, I wanna encourage you to fight the defeat that says that all the things that you want right now you can't have because. Particularly, a lot of us have desires right now that we can find a way to meet. So for example, if the God-given desire is to be with the people of God and I can't gather with them on a Sunday morning, I can ask a few friends to Zoom with me while we make dinner, or I can access some of that God-given desire for whatever it is and see where God might meet that need. And where God meeting that need of my desire might also be a way that I'm uniquely equipped to lead others right now. My husband says this thing all the time. He says, your longing is your leading. Mm -hmm. Often I think our God-given desires are God giving us wisdom and insight about how we're uniquely supposed to build or grow or lead other people to something. So those are your three questions. I would love to hear some feedback about how they help you cultivate today right where you're at. Number one, what is God doing? Where's the gratitude? Number two, how can I help? How am I uniquely equipped to serve in this season? And number three, what do you want? What does God-given desire look like right now in this time? Hey, I love you guys. We're going to be back next week with just another short coaching about what it looks like to cultivate in this season. Next week, I want to talk a little bit about using our strengths and finding our strengths, particularly in this season. So I hope you'll meet me back here. And I pray that this week's coaching, encouragement, invitation was a blessing to you in the midst of this season. I pray that you perceive God's nearness. I do pray that you are safe and held in his love right where you're at. I love you guys so much. I love going tell guys. I'm so glad that God had us be together and be in this community for this season. And so, we're thinking about you and we're praying for you and we would love to hear back from you. We love you so much, friends.